Blog Talk Radio. This week's Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash Dungeon Crawlers Radio to start your free trial membership. you get on is a card or read what kind of class do you play girl in an rpg cause i know what them elf girls need from wow to emmy i'm going through the hours online straight now you make it hard to leave bring to me to look do you speak my language your elf ears don't need explaining all i really need for you to do is just please talk nerdy to me It's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Greenwood, you're listening to Dungeon Crawls Radio, and crawl, baby, crawl. When you were just a young girl, still in school, how come you never learned the golden rule? Don't talk to strange men, don't. Please don't. Welcome. But please. <laughs> so we we had a little, we have a thunderstorm that just rolled through, and uh, it, it's messed up stuff. So welcome. One of these days, yeah, Revan. Right? Welcome One to. One of these days, we will have a show that goes off without a kick. Hint. Again, um, one of these days. We'll go back to that. One one amazing, fantastic day that will happen. Yes. So welcome yet again to an, <laughs> another amazing episode yeah. of Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Woo-hoo. Where we are only at two thirds of a staff. Yeah, yeah. That's us. Two thirds. Yeah. Everyone died in the storm, or something happened. Little Ben, uh, it, it, well, Ben, what, whatever we decide to call him, is buried under mounds and mounds and mounds and ben, mounds of that, that. of school paper. Hey, I'm homework. buried under the same amount. And I'm still here. Damn it. You're also a Decepticon. True. You plow through everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then uh, Zakor is on vacation. Wherever that is. And Wait, we get a vacation? Yeah, I wish. Really? The saddest news of all? Yes. 
the storm killed R2-D2, guys. Like, oh, yeah. It all, like, so, for those of you who didn't hear, uh, R2 uh, is gone. He He's no longer with us. It was just not cost-effective anymore. It was getting, it was getting kind of uh, kind of getting kind of expensive. Yeah, kind of. That that and you can only fix a broken pot so many times. Yeah. Now, a droid, you can fix him a little bit more than a pot. But, you know, we've been breaking hey. him for how many years now? Three. Yeah. <laughs> Three and a half. So. I did see online these awesome R2-D2 measuring cups. Yeah. So I'm probably going to just turn them into that. Yeah, well, I was very, t- you know, they have the Lego sets with R2. Well, I have a Lego R2. I was really tempted to bring it one just to set on the, the soundboard. Just, RoboDestructicon. Yeah, on RoboDestructicon. Just so we can oh. say uh, R2, <laughs> is, R2 is still here with us. Oh, R2. No, I, I just had something in my throat, and it, it was kind of thick and brown. And You're a Decepticon, and you don't like something that has the, the word destruct in it? No, not really. Okay. Not all, not all, being de- not all Decepticons yeah. are all about the destruction. Some of them are about being having a killed good by pie. Optimus Prime. Well, no. They're having a good pie. Sh- Shockwave is all about, you know, science and that. He, you know, yeah. he doesn't care about destruction. He just wants science. You know, science you know, and stuff. He just happens to be on Megatron's side because, well, Megatron allows him to perform experiments that the Autobots wouldn't. Although, I just found something very awesome. I yes. shared on our Facebook page for, for, for all of you Autobot fans. So, yes. There you go. Something there. is out there now. Huh? Enjoy. <laughs> enjoy. I'm not even going to say anything about it. Just enjoy. Fun. So, uh, since we're actually on now, we <laughs> yes, should and we're probably... actually talking. And, yeah. We are talking. We are doing the show. We are doing our thing. So, uh, for those of you that uh, have noticed, we did a what was a one-hour special turned into a two-hour special yeah, uh, right. this last Tuesday. Because of the wonderful and amazing uh, Jonathan Martin, pretty much hijacked our show and kept going. I I was thinking that Joe was uh, alluding to we should probably introduce ourselves. Yes, am I correct, Joe? I thought we already started correct. that. No, no. This is Revan. It's a guy named Joe. This is the great, mighty, and powerful Lord Flagoon. This is Colin. Yeah, we, I, I thought we kind of did because then we we no, jumped you, into you introduced the show. Oh, and then mentioned people and were then missing. You mentioned that people were missing, but you didn't mention who was actually here. Gotcha. Well, we're here. One of these days, Revan, we will make a producer out of you. It, 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 it's raining. One of these days. Producer R.I. What? 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 Producer I, R.I. I don't know. What is that? It's just something. It's something. Just let it happen. Okay. I don't know. All right. I'm it's, sure, it's I'm raining. sure if we cut the U enough, we could make a P out of it. A producer out of it. Probably. Okay. Okay. All righty. So, we, we're here. We got a great show tonight. Uh, we have A.M. Delamonica coming on, talking about her new book, uh, Children of a Hidden Sea. And then we still have another interview with author Jay Posey talking about his new book, uh, Morningside Fall. Uh, so we, we've got a lot. We're going to cram everything we can into this show. It's going to be lots and lots of information, maybe some geek news. Maybe? We'll figure out. Well, it, it all depends. It all depends oh. on how, how how good we do with our time management. Uh, It'll be fantastic. I don't know what's going on. No, no Gamer Forge. This, this, oh. there's, there's still waiting on that. There, there's an issue. 
So uh, fail, oh. fail, fail. Yes. Maybe something should be done right now. We should. Maybe, maybe Colin should spend more time actually working Artec. on a computer <laughs> than <laughs> talking about restore our contact about, about uh, fixing R two. R two takes a lot of work. Okay. Yeah. Now that that is off off my schedule, the site gets a little more loving. You know, in the time that it took for you to say that, you could have fixed our emails. You know what? Our emails work just fine. My okay. email's fine. What's all wrong right. with yours? Uh-huh. Yep. You just don't want to look at all the, the hate mail. Haters going to hate. What hate mail? Nobody's sending anything. <laughs> <laughs> now they're going to do it. Please. All right. So, uh, Mark yeah, and if anyone hasn't noticed, we, we've gone from R2 to Godzilla. I mean, I, I know Joe had to stand out in the rain and out on that lone island for, for weeks on end. Uh, and, you know, that's what what happens every weekend, just holding that microphone, waiting for, waiting for Godzilla to show up and make that noise. You know what? But it, it paid off. It took a lot of Hot Pockets and energy drinks to stay awake for that yes. whole time, but I did it. You did it. I took one for the team. Yes. What's it called? Now, if only you had had a nuclear reactor to carry around, it would have been so much oh, easier. Oh, it would have been way easier. Yeah, or Brian Cranston. I'll take Brian Cranston over a nuclear reactor any day. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Brian Cranston would take Brian Cranston over a nuclear reactor any day, too. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't know the guy that well. I'm just making an assumption on that one. That would be awesome. That would be pretty awesome. Or buckets of money. Oh, I... Yeah, that one's kind of a no-brainer. I think anyone would run for buckets of money. (laughs) Do you want to go face a giant creature? Well, depends on the size of the bucket. If it's... It's already implied that it's very large by the word giant. Oh, you, okay. You said giant buckets of money. Yes. Okay. I didn't hear that giant part. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So, uh, interviews ready to go. Shall we uh, move forward? Sure. Yes, sir. We're so Let excited. Let us begin. All right. There we go. And we're answering. Thank you. This is Dentacross Radio. Hi. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. How are Great. you this evening? Oh, I'm good. I'm excited to be on the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're excited to have you on the show. How how is the weather where you're at? Because it's rainy here. Uh, It is. It's hot and humid here in Toronto today, and it's supposed to be extremely hot and humid and sunny for a couple of days, and then thunderstorms. Nice. Okay, so you're probably getting what we we have here, or maybe we got what you had. I don't know. So what is hot in Toronto? Uh, in Fahrenheit, oh, I don't know, 85 degrees maybe? That's, 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 yeah, that's hot. That. That's, I, that's I, hot. That's okay. I, but that, I, I, I'm I mean, sure. Go ahead. Oh, no, I, I moved here from uh, the West Coast, from British Columbia, about a year ago, and, and it was never really very hot there very often. So it's, huh? even though it's humid and people complain a lot about that here, I'm just like, it's warm, it's really warm, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I come from I come from uh, a similar it, area. I come from uh, Alaska, and so like mm-hmm. everyone's talking about it raining right now, and uh, it's it's just a light drizzle to me. Yeah, coming from <laughs> coming from Ketchikan. Yeah, this is the guy that jokes when he goes to uh, Seattle that he came there to escape the rain. Yeah, I came there to dry off. <laughs> Understandable, uh, although. I, I was surprised. The first time I visited Toronto as a tourist, every time people thought it might rain, they were like, do you want an umbrella? Oh, my God. And I was like, I'm from Vancouver. <laughs> it's cool. Um, and then I was on my way 
to catch the like the bus to the airport and like the skies opened up and suddenly I was drenched to the skin and I was like, Oh okay. You needed to emphasize oh, that when it rains here, it all happens at once. It felt like a winter's <laughs> worth of rain in ten minutes. And then I was on a plane soaking wet for five hours. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. That had to be yeah, a very miserable feeling. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that that sense of being wet all the way down to your socks in yeah. air conditioning. It was fun. <laughs> I felt that a few times. <laughs> it's not fun. Yeah. But, so, uh, but, you know, in a way, it was a listening fail. They were trying to tell me. Yeah. I just thought I knew. Yeah, you just figured yeah, it would be a drizzle slowly over time, not yeah. you know, someone dumped an entire bucket over your head. Yeah, exactly. Not a fire hose from the sky. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So... What can you tell us about your new book, Children or Child of a Hidden Sea? Um, it's about a woman who is an undersea videographer. So she's the sort of person who, for her day job, would go take footage of whales for David Attenborough. Um, she's at the beginning of her career. She lives in San Francisco, and uh, she's a bit of a waffler. She's a bit of an inferiority complex because her teenage brother is the kind of person who, you know, goes to finishes high school at the age of 12 and then start embarking on multiple PhDs. Um, and she decides that the, the answer to her little identity crisis is to go looking for her birth family. Uh, the book's a portal fantasy, so she goes looking for them. She finds out they're from another world, and she, she ends up transported to this other place called Stormrack. Um, Stormrack is... is a very oceanic world, and it's possible that it's a future Earth after catastrophic ocean rise. But she's unable to, to figure that out if that's actually the case or if it's a multiple universe situation or exactly what. Um, but what she's able to find out is that they, they basically have age of sail technology and magic. Um, and then she gets kicked out because they really don't want her there. Um, so that's, that's how the story basically begins. Wow. Okay. So then, uh, Kirsten, why why would why would uh, uh, this this culture, even though it's foreign to us and her, not want her there? Well, that's that's one of the central mysteries of the novel. She's uh, she's told by her aunt Gail, who's the only genetic relative she's really able to get to speak to her, that that her coming will cause problems for the family. Um, huh. But but that's all they tell her, and then they just sort of ship her off. Uh, nice to know you. Don't tell anyone. Go back to San Francisco. Please don't call us again. Um, That's usually what I tell the most people I know from San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's not nice. Um, <laughs> it's the opposite of most portal fantasies where it's like, oh, you are the chosen one. You're so special. Please come in and sort out all our political problems for us. Yeah. I mean, I, I do like that fact because that's generally the story is it's like zoop, you get zucked over to wherever and it's like, you are the one that will save us. And this, this is quite the opposite. It's like, no, get out of here. We don't want you. You're like, the, yeah, yes, you are nothing but the, trouble. The ugly, you're the ugly redheaded stepchild. Get out of here. Yes, <laughs> yes, I know. I'm the redheaded stepchild. So, see, I yeah, threw it out exactly. there so, so you guys couldn't do it this oh, time. Oh, dang. <laughs> I was actually thinking are, of like, are you or, actually a redheaded stepchild? I am a redhead and I am a stepchild. So, yes. <laughs> And he does get treated that way, but usually by oh, yeah, Mrs. Revan. So what? Go ahead. 
So uh, this uh, this uh, this world being uh, very seafaring was it uh, was it kind of difficult, you know, kind of make the uh, make the the story actionish when they're all just on a boat the entire time? Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, things happen really slowly in the Age of Sail. You know, you kind of bollocking oh, yeah. along. Stuff happens. Stuff happens. Stuff happens. It's like we need to go to the next island. It's going to take three weeks. Um, but but. <laughs> It was kind of interesting to work with that kind of storytelling in a way because um, as a culture, we don't really have downtime. I mean, when you're on board a ship, there's always lots to do, right? There's cleaning, there's maintenance, there's safety stuff. You know, mm-hmm. any any sort of Navy-type book, you'll see they constantly keep the, uh, the sailors busy. And part of that's just to keep them from going stir-crazy, I think. But there's plenty to do aboard yep. a ship. but. But Sophie and later her brother, Bram, because she, she does go back to San Francisco and she picks up her genius little brother and she makes her way back. Um, Sophie and Bram are basically scientists at heart. And it kind of offends them that there's this, this world that not only doesn't want them, but that is magical and won't even bother to explain their magic system. They're very like, well, you know, it's, it's magic. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, how did this come to be? We're, you know, we're researchers, we're scientists. The laws of physics seem to be changing here. Are the laws of physics different? And they're like, well, it kind of depends who you ask because these guys think this and these guys think it's all about ether and these guys are kind of into voodoo and, you know, whichever state you're in depends on, on what the scientific rules are. Um, I see. That okay. And having, and, and having those, having those long stretches of, time between between landfalls means that they can do experiments. They can do all the sort of basic science experiments that, that launched the the age of, of reason, right? They can check the yeah. gravity. They can calculate the circumference. They can think a lot about what the world's like and, and form theories. Um, so that was kind of nice about the slowness of the age of sail. Hmm. I wish I wish we had magic when I was in the Coast Guard. That would have made things a lot more entertaining. Mm-hmm. Moving and traveling across yeah. the Pacific, not doing yeah. or doing the same thing over and over again. So yeah, I yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> now I wish I was back in the Coast Guard with magic. <laughs> well, the Coast Guard I'd probably. With magic. Go, go ahead. Well. Complicating the fun of it in, in this particular world is that, that they're, they're a very regimented society in some ways. So there's a lot of law about how and when you can use magic. So even though in theory you can accomplish a lot of things sort of quickly and easily, it's like, well, if you're here, you have to follow this set of laws. And if you're there, you can't do this. Um, and on your own island, you can do whatever you please. But outside your 25-mile limit, I'm wagging a finger, which is a silly thing to do in a radio interview. But no, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, so then what went into the decision-making process of, of, of creating this new possible future world? I mean, why seafaring? Well, there were a number of things. Um, one, of, one of the things is that my first two books have sometimes been called eco-fantasy because I write urban fantasy with this sort of environmentalist twist. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I wanted to write something set in a world where there were lots of microclimates uh, like the Galapagos Islands has, you know, that, that marvelous biodiversity where you have a flightless cormorant on one island and then a, a 
another cormorant that can fly on the next. And I, I wanted a whole world where that was the case, where every little landmass might have a completely different set of flora and fauna, and the magic would be drawn from that. Um, I, I, wanted, I wanted to raise the possibility of catastrophic ocean rise uh, because I think it's kind of pertinent to now, to the situation we have right now with climate change. Um, and I, I wanted the sailing ships and the adventure and the swashbuckling and the pirate nations and sword fights and all of those things because my first two books are, are a little bit somber. Um, they're, they're good books, but they're a bit sad. And, you know, the second one has a death count in the hundreds of thousands. Um, I, I wanted something that was a little lighter and a little more fun both to write and to read. Mm-hmm. So then what was it like? I, I think creating... you can't go... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I, was I, was gonna... saying, I think you can't go wrong with pirates. No, no. Actually, I was about to ask about that. And what was it like then breaking away from such a somber attitude into the to the high adventure and, and the, the, this sort of different action that you're not used to doing? Oh, it was a lot of fun. I, I have other. Pro- I write a lot of short fiction. I've got about thirty-five short stories in print, and so I, I have certainly written action before. It wasn't. It wasn't a big change of pace in that sense, but um, it, it worked out nicely. Uh, the period when I was writing those first two books was was kind of a somber period in my life. Um, a lot of my relatives got sort of older, and some of them passed away, and you know there were some other ugly surprises in that period, and. And it was just sort of like an artistic decision to be happy and have fun and share that with with anyone who happened to be reading. Oh, okay. So it was more of a reflection of like your uh, like a little bit more of your personal life then. Yeah, yeah. The, what's happening in your personal life, I think, always is going to leak into your art, right? Mm-hmm. I, I I think it's a rare person who can be going through something really miserable who can write something that is actually completely lighthearted and frothy. There must be people like that, but yeah. I don't know them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that does sound a little unrealistic, uh, oh, I guess, uh, as far as um, both the common reader and, I guess, the layman, uh, like myself, um, as far as writing. Cause I, I don't know much about the writing prospect. I read a lot, but I don't write. So... Mm-hmm. I, I, how do you keep up with, um, I guess, creating a new world and hope, and ideally you'll be creating new new stories within this new world? How do I keep up with it? Yeah. I, you know, I'm, in some ways it feels like it is developing faster than I am keeping up with it. Um, I, I put the proposal for the, the trilogy in front of my editor, um, and it those first three chapters went with the proposal and they were so enjoyable to write. They were just what I wanted. And I, I sort of felt like don't actually write the book until they say yes. Cause that's just, that's bad, right? That's, that's not necessarily wise. I was pretty sure they'd say yes, but mm. so, but I wanted to play in this sandbox I created. Um, mm-hmm. So I started writing short stories and I actually wrote two, I, I actually wrote six prequels to to the book, of which two are already on the Tor.com site. Um, one's called Among the Silvering Herd, and one is called um, The Ugly Woman of Castello di Puti. Um, and what I got to do with those was explore individual island nations with these two characters who, in my mind, are like this seafaring Doctor Who and her pretty companion. <laughs> 
So then creating, a, a, I guess, new protagonists, since we could see it through, um, I guess, more well, uh, uh, indigenous eyes. Yeah, yeah. They're actually both characters who appear in Child of Hidden Sea. It's just a later point in their lives. Okay. Um, the, 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 pretty, the pretty sidekick is about 18 years old when the short stories start, and he's at that point, he's the first mate of the sailing vessel Nightjar, and his name is Garland Parrish. And uh, by the time Sophie arrives on this, on this world, um, he's the captain of Nightjar, um, and he's in his early 30s. Um, and what actually happened was I, I wrote a couple of the stories, and I couldn't quite restrain myself and I went and wrote a little bit of the book and then in the book I got to another island nation and I was like oh I wonder what this island nation is like so then I went back and I wrote another short story set on that island and gave Garland and Gale another adventure Mm -hmm. and I was like oh I've suddenly learned all this stuff about this country and I went back and wrote a little more of the book Um, (laughs) so it was sort of a strange back and forth for about probably 14 months where I'd I'd write the book for a while and then I'd go oh I wonder about that well, that doesn't fit in the book, but I could write a story. Um, <laughs> it was fun. It was a neat way yeah. to do it. So yeah. then, about what? Oh, so you said about fourteen months was like the span of of creating these stories. I mean, but you make the uh, writing a short story sound like almost whimsically easy. How how fast can you do? Uh, like on average, I guess, would you put oh, out okay. a short story? Well, generally speaking, if I write my name at the top of a page. 8,500 words follow in pretty rapid succession. Um, wow. And if I'm excited about something, I can write that really fast. I, I, don't, I don't do it every single day of the year, but if I want to write 2,200 words in a day, it's, it's not that tough. But they're terrible words. They're <laughs> unfit for human consumption um, because <laughs> in that rush of initial excitement, Nothing really stops my forward momentum, including things like naming characters or, you know, resolving tiny issues with the story I'm telling. Um, so then I, then I usually have a period of a couple of months where I'm rewriting um, over and over and over again until it's actually perfect. <laughs> so then I got I to gotta, I gotta know this then. Is, uh, did you ever hand over a copy to like an editor and didn't have the names filled in? You had the rest of the story. Everything else was fine. But then you had a whole bunch of insert name here, insert name here. <laughs> I think it's possible my agent once got a, a mystery from me that it had, a, it had an extremely large cast. And I, I think it might have been in one of the, the later chapters. She said there are a couple of places here where you have cousin one and cousin two. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, those were placeholders for people I hadn't named. Um, unimportant suspects in the mystery who obviously <laughs> hadn't done it. Um, but otherwise, no, I, I don't think I've ever gapped so badly that I never named a character. Okay. <laughs> I'm just impressed. 8,500 words just yeah, appear that's, on the page. Even remarkable. if it is kind of garbage or, or not usable, that's still impressive. It's, um, it's, what am I trying to say? Hmm. It's a tricky natural link. There aren't a lot of markets for novelettes. Um, and, and often I will set out thinking, I'm, this is the story that's only going to be 5,000 words. And then when I break 7,900, I just think, oh, 
why did you invest all that emotional energy in this? You know, be what you are. You're a novelette writer. Um, <laughs> but every now and then I surprise myself and I write something that's shorter. Um, and if, if I get over 10,000 words, usually I think, well, it's obviously a novel. And I, I don't write in the novella length all that much, actually. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's almost sounding a lot like my uh, college uh, papers where it's a, six, it's a four to five page uh, paper Six pages later, plus the bibliography, I'm almost done. Yeah. 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 Like, so, oh, then, dear. Uh, <laughs> so then, I, I, how do you then balance out all of this, the 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 energy you put into to creating you know eight thousand plus word stories, and then any other I guess uh, any other form of work or or life or family or anything. <laughs> well, okay, this is this is going to make it make it sound very um I start at five in the morning mm-hmm. and um I write I write fiction for a couple of hours. And often that's all of the fiction writing I do in a day. So when I say I have a two thousand word day, like I'm writing incredibly fast or I'm doing revision. Mm-hmm. Um and then I, I usually I walk my wife at least part of the way to work. And um, I do, you know, whatever we need doing around the house because part of the deal between us for me being a full-time at-home writer is that the home gets taken care of. Um, and then I do have other, other jobs. I, I teach creative writing at the UCLA Extension Online Program. I blog for Tor.com. Um, Every now and then I'll, I'll write some kind of freelance article for someone like Ben Bella Books, um, mm-hmm. who do a smart pop series of, of books about things like Battlestar Galactica or um, they had a Glee anthology that I wrote an, an article for. Um, it's sort of a, a bit of a juggle. And then my, my day tends to end at about 6 p.m. And then uh, it's, all, it's all you after that? Well, it's... Um, it's Usually, sort of the the quiet evening at home with the the two adorable feral kittens we just adopted, or you know, every now and then it's a night out with friends. Okay. But generally so speaking, the, we we go to bed early and we start at five. Oh wow! Well, I mean, it still sounds like you still fill a lot of stuff in yeah. throughout the day, even if you are writing super fast. Yeah. So, I mean, that's impressive. Yeah. Um, but yeah. you know, well, it, it is the, good the, to know that the two you, hours you check I out. spend. Sorry, the two hours oh, I spend at the desk actually writing um, are, are not the only time I spend sort of working on fiction because a lot of the walking around and fetching things I do and uh, my photography hobby, I seem to need to do a lot of processing, right? You don't, don't sit down and write 2,200 words without having, without having done some thinking beforehand. So I seem to do a lot of wool gathering while I'm puttering around going through some of the other parts of my day. Nice. Okay. So then, yes. um, so then, how? Um, what was it like then? Um, doing doing some of the uh, research then that that came with uh, uh, coming with writing Child of the Hidden Sea. Uh, it was fun. I, I got to do a lot of fun things. I, I had hoped to take diving lessons, and that didn't come together. But um, I did go sailing on a tall ship in Victoria. Um, 
and uh, it was it's a complete license to watch all the nature documentaries you could ever be interested in. Um, it was a complete license to go to every science museum within reach. So, you know, I went to the California Academy of Science. I went to the Burke History Museum in Seattle. Um, all of all of the aquariums sort of handy in both Vancouver and there's a new aquarium in Toronto, which is amazing. Um, all that counts as work. Oh, it's so amazing. Um, but the, the tall ship was probably the, the most, it's the only time I've done an actual research trip. You know, I went, I stayed overnight in a hotel. I went on the sail the next day. Um, it, was, it was kind of, it, it felt very, ooh, I'm, you know, I'm this writer who makes research trips now uh, serious in some peculiar way. <laughs> but this is the kind of research that you can share on Facebook without, without having to feel like a total dweeb, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, if, if you're at all interested in, in biodiversity or wildlife photography or oceanography, it's, it's, um, it's, it's very shareable, you might mm-hmm. say. The, the thing I would have loved to have done was um, if it had been possible to do a sale with Project Kese, which is a, um, they have a tall ship and they go out into the Pacific, um, into the North Pacific gyre where all of the litter accumulates. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's a huge pile of plastic litter in the middle of basically all of the oceans, sort of in the spot where all the currents meet. Um, and, and there's there's this research team that is studying studying the garbage in the Pacific, um, but they don't sail through Vancouver, and I didn't make much of an effort because I knew I had this other sail that I was going on, which was with a, a nonprofit that takes teenage kids at risk um, oh, okay. for sales. Yeah, a lot of tall ship folks seem to do that as as sort of a justification for having these amazing boats. They'll they'll get up sails and take kids and sort of expose them to marine life. Mm-hmm. So then what was, what, was it, what was it like then, your first time on the tall ship? I mean, how, was it mind-blowing? It, it, it was. I, um, you know, you, you can read something like Patrick O'Brien, and, and he's got such detail, and um, you, can, you, know, you can watch something like Master and Commander or all of those sort of Navy things. Or, you know, I read a lot of um, Napoleon-era military history too which again was it was just like the museums like oh my god i get to read military history for fun no for work for work um (laughs) i i think what was most amazing about about the sale was how fast it felt like we were going um i i guess i had imagined that when you're at sea and there aren't that many landmarks you wouldn't feel like you were moving that quickly um, but you really do feel the power of the wind. Yeah, over such a large vessel. Did they tell you what your uh, yeah. top speed was? Gosh, I probably have it in my notes, but, you know, they're not in front of me. Can't rem- um, remember off the top of your head. Yeah, it was, a, it was a, about a 70-foot ship. And um, I, should, I should call them out. They're... Um, the organization was SALT, S-A-L-T-S, probably SALT.ca is their website. Um, they're a really great nonprofit. Yes, 
They mentor 1,700 young people a year from all walks of life. Mm-hmm. And the ship I was on was the Pacific Swift. Uh, and they're building a new ship this year, which is really cool. Um, or they're, raising, they're fundraising for a new ship. Uh, but I would, I would have to sit here surfing to find the, the, the actual speed that we got to because we got up to about their top speed. And, and that's mm-hmm. the story for you. You, you know, The Internet doesn't want to hear me clicking, <laughs> clicking through the salt site. Oh, that's all right. That's okay. Yeah, if you felt like you were going fast, you're probably going pretty good. Probably going yeah. about twenty twenty five knots, which is yeah. pretty good. Yeah, pretty good speed. It was impressive. It was it was the sort of thing where they're like, okay, we we need to put out less sail, but we got to heave on the lines, and that was cool too. Doing the the group heave, um, crewing a rope. Uh, Did they let you unironically abast. say abast? They would have, I'm sure. It's possible right. I did. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, also, I actually, they also let uh, anyone, once we were out where we couldn't hit anything easily, they, they also let us each take a turn at the wheel, which was, <laughs> wow, I don't even drive. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, is a, it is an awesome feeling um, driving a large ship like a vessel like that. Mine wasn't wind, uh, the, yeah. when I was driving it wasn't wind powered, mine was uh 400 foot uh, polar icebreaker, but it's still like an awesome feeling when you move the when you move the helm left or right and you feel the whole ship just moving to your whims mm-hmm. you're like, ah, this is well, awesome. Yeah. And ships they tilt, right? It's um it's a little unexpected if you're a land lover how 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 sharply the deck will rise on one side as you as you move into a turn and how, how far the sails will go from a vertical pitch. Um it was, it was neat. I was going to ask you how uh, how uh, how difficult was it to get uh, used to the list when it comes to uh, comes to a uh, vessel under wind. It wasn't too bad. It was um, I didn't I didn't find anything about the trip difficult, and we had you know calm sails and good weather and all of those sorts of things. Um, it was it was nice to have that because in the second book I have sort of an extended chase scene at night at speed. Um, and, and I'm able to have in it because I have that experience, you know, I have people up in the rigging and, and I know how they would like pitch over and basically be almost horizontal over the water and I thought, oh, that would be so scary. So that's why you do these things, right? To, to actually observe a little bit of what it would be like. All right. Understandable. Yeah. So then do you, uh, do you feel that your experiences at sea then are going Going. Hello? Hello? Have I lost you? Hello? This next half of the interview is going to be brought to you by Amazon.com. Uh, once you're done with listening to the show, if you want to get yourself any of the other books that you've been uh, hearing about in the past few weeks, just go to the sidebar uh, located at DungeonCollegeRadio.com, clear out your cookies, enter in your search term, and shop as normal. It doesn't cost you anything extra and uh, even kicks a little bit of money back to us. So it's not entirely a selfless gesture. That's Amazon.com.
contact. If you come in contact with the infected, We're back, folks. Uh, you know, that is a song to make love to. The storm, yet again, <laughs> is causing some issues. So we yeah, lost was... our Skype connection there for a second. So uh, we're going to bring uh, AM Delamica back on. And there we Hi. are. Are you, are you back? Hello. Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about that. Yeah, this weather is getting absolutely atrocious out here. It's killing our... Uh... Yeah, we just lost our internet feed yeah, for a second there. It, it went from a drizzle to oh, wow. a slight rain. <laughs> but it's in a desert, so people freak out. <laughs> Come on, we're like we're we're like Dallas. You know, when it starts fluttering snowflakes, everyone freaks out, and no one w- opens up. Everyone like I said, it it, you know, when when it starts driz- uh, starts actually raining in a desert, people freak out. Yeah. Yep. So mm. uh, now your book is already Wherever out. Wherever we are, com- we're we're challenged by the weathers. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. True. Oh, sorry. No, I was just saying your oh, book's already out, out. Correct. Yeah. And it can be yeah, found... Yeah, it came out this Tuesday. Oh, this Tuesday. Okay, oh, great. Oh, wow, awesome. Uh, so everyone needs yeah. to rush out and go buy it. Yeah. Right? It's, uh, it should be in Barnes & Noble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it should be in bookstores everywhere. And, of course, it's available as an ebook. So you could get it through iTunes. You can get it from Amazon as a Kindle book. You can get it, if you're in Canada, from um, the folks who sell Kobo books. Or you could actually go into an Indigo or a Chapters, and it should be there. Um, anywhere in North America, you should be able to get your hands on it. If they haven't unboxed it yet, uh, ask them nicely. If you ask them nicely. <laughs> nice. Yeah, always be nice to the people who work at the bookstore because, I mean, believe me, they they have access to your books, and who knows, you know, they could, I don't know, wipe their nose with it or something before you get your hands on it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's like I uh, really it's hope like that people that happen. it's like it's like being nice to people that handle your food. You just should be nice. Just. In general. Oh, yes. 
Yeah, yeah. because yeah, yeah. if you're well, if you're you mean know, to if, them, they'll they'll probably like write the spoiler right in the first page. Like you know, oh, see, that Dumbledore dies at the end. On a book. Yeah, they don't even write. Yeah. That's when they're handing it to you. You know, hey, this is a great book. You know, sorry, Dumbledore dies. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Dumbledore dies? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Jon Snow dies toes. at the end of Dance with with Dragons. Sorry. Mm. Oh, that's not really a surprise. Don't you wish you were nice to me now? Yeah, yeah, right. Yep. So be nice to your authors, <laughs> be nice to your editors, and be nice to the booksellers. Be nice to everyone. Yeah, just be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just be nice. If you're if you're asking if you're asking someone to go downstairs and open a crate for you, I think yeah. you definitely have to be nice about it. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, and that's that's happened to me. You know, I've had I've had friends who've had books out and they just haven't made it to the shelf yet. And I'm there on the first day going, please, please, please. <laughs> Go in the back room and get it for me. Yeah. Yes, please. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Um. So then, uh, now that with with your new book out and you're still working on the next one, are you going to be hitting up any uh, mm-hmm. any conventions or book signings in the near future? Uh, I, I actually have a couple of book signings in uh, upstate New York, in Amherst and in Rochester in August. Um, and I'm expecting to be out on the West Coast in the fall. Um, I don't have a lot of dates for that yet, but um, I, I, have, I have a fan base in the Pacific Northwest because I lived there for 22 years. So uh, I believe the plan is to see if I can can do something along the lines of Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, um, depending on bookstores and, and dates and times. Um, well, we'd hope you'd go I'm, to San Francisco since you, your book yeah. you know, starts there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be super nice. Um, I, I also yeah. I have a cousin there, which is, makes it an extra bonus. And uh, last the year before last for my Blue, Blue Magic tour, they, they actually sent – me and John Pitts out for Pride, so we we were the we were the reading at the science fiction bookstore the weekend of of Pride, which was just super cool. Cool. Uh, that traffic was probably uh, probably some mayhem around that time, though. <laughs> well, it, it didn't it didn't it didn't stop us from having a good reading, and he's he's got this sort of lesbian Valkyrie biker series um, hmm. that is quite marvelous. So he. He read he read the lesbian biker Valkyrie thing and and I read one of the later Stormrack stories which is po- from the point of view of of the gay first mate of Nightjar so I thought that was kind of a nice gender reversal. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, awesome. So then, um, uh, do you do you know when your uh, when the next uh, next novel in the series will be hitting shelves? I'm, I'm not sure. There was there was a provisional date for. October of next year, October 2015. Um, but I I ended up having switched editors last year um, when when my original editor left tour. So um, we're all sort of saying, well, probably we'll stick to the original timeline. But I'm still getting to know my new editor. Ah. Uh, okay. Well, awesome. Right. Yeah. Well, when it, when it's uh, when it's about ready to hit the shelves, um, please, we'd love to have you back on the show to talk about it. Oh, thank you so much. This was really fun. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, well thank and, you for being on. And, and hopefully next time we won't have rain that knocks you off. Well, you know, for, for, for a world called Stormrack, I, I think it's very appropriate. 
Yeah, <laughs> that kind of does fit, doesn't it? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for coming on the show, talking about your book. Everyone, go out, run out, and grab a copy of uh, "Child of a Hidden Sea." Why not? Because, I, it because swashbuckling. Great. Yes, pirate and portal Swa- trap. Yeah, portal trap. Yes. And they're they're reformed pirates, not orthodox. So um, okay, reformed pirates. Because everyone wants to see that. Because <laughs> that's not the normal. <laughs> All right. Well, thank yeah, you again exactly. for coming on the show. And you know, besides the next book, if you have any other projects, just reach out to us. Let us know, and we'll be more than happy to bring you back on. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Have You're a great welcome. Night. You're very welcome. Have you a great too. evening. Have a good night. Bye. All right. All right. A.M. Delamonica, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Whee! There we go. One interview down, more to come. Yes. But in the meantime, let's, let's hit up some geek news real quick. I got <gasps> some, some items we can talk about real quick, and then we'll take a small break, and then we'll, we'll come back. We'll come back with so, uh, the next interview. The producers of Settlers of Catan have just announced they are doing an Ancient Egypt edition. Oh, Egypt boy. Edition? Yes. Wait. So the standalone game roughly translates to Settler Catan Ancient Egypt is advertised as a limited collector's edition for Catan fans. So it's going to surround the Egyptian antiquities, uh, and one variant uh, players can use the help of the gods to build the Great Pyramid itself. So, hmm. I mean, we have our kind of, you know, Star Trek Catan. So who knows? Yeah, that was well. Even then, Star Trek was kind of pushing it, like yeah, no, because Catan is the I guess part of the appeal on my end was that it was very it 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 didn't tie into any franchises or anything no. like that because like Monopoly. I mean, take Monopoly for instance. You can find you every have, version. You have, yeah, even D and D. Yeah, Monopoly. there's a D and D Monopoly and Simpsons and Clue, or I mean, even Clue is changing. Yeah. They, you got a D and D Clue, you got a Simpsons Clue. I, you know, and I can kind of understand because let's face it, that game has not changed in decades. Yeah. So they're but trying why? to they're you know, trying to throw you... some some variety into yeah. it. When you said D and D clue, it's like, okay, who slew the dragon? But who cares? It is kind of funny. The dragon's been slain. It's it's not it's not a house. You're in a dungeon, and you have like a long sword or a dagger or you you know you, a, a mace. So it, you know they've been very uh, smart in how they've changed it up to fit in that. But uh, it yeah, it still is the same game. Yeah. Um. But. You know, Catan has been around for a while, and, you know, it sounds like they're trying to maybe find something new. Mm-hmm. So this this could could be a success, or it might be a... And I think that they're doing a good idea by doing it as a limited edition, so it's, it's going to be a limited Yeah, because I don't want to see stuff like that flooding... Yeah. Uh, shelves at, our local, you know, like at your local game store. All the thousand different styles of Risk. Yeah. yeah. As fun as Risk is... There's only so far you can take it before you're like, okay, it, it's no longer risk anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, look forward to some frustration and probably yeah. so, losing some friends. So we all know Netflix has been really busy doing their own original series. Very. Well, if you haven't noticed, they've also released their original anime called Knights of Sidonia. Oh, which wait, is that's them? Yeah. It's a dystopian anime based on a popular manga series of the same name. And so, yeah. it's Right now it's 12 episodes in the series. 
And right, what's on there right now is a trailer for it. It does not premiere till July fourth. But yeah, okay, okay, I, I can wait. It is their official. So this is you know next week, next Friday. It is their official uh, anime. I mean, they're literally starting to become their own network. It seems like that now. they are. I mean, they they've got. I, I I've just gone through scanning through, and it's amazing how many you how many shows you now see Netflix original. Yeah. But the thing is, though, it's like, I mean, all things considered, they've got a pretty dang good track record. They do. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, Orange is the New Black, House of Cards, and even the last season of The Clone Wars was, yeah. I mean, was at the very least good. Yeah. Well, not only that, you know, Hulu's trying to follow in their, in their, their steps. Yeah. But they just announced today that they're discontinuing, they're not going to pick up Community again for another season. So... Uh, Either one, community is a sinking ship, or they're just not being able to keep up. So who knows? Well, there's also word on someone else picking it up. Oh. I think they were saying... There's a word on Fox? anybody picking up, uh, everybody Fox picking up uh, community. Up. Well, if it goes to Fox, it's not dead after one season. <laughs> well, anyways. pretty much. Well, it, it's hit five that. seasons already, so I know. Please, yeah. please help Gotham. Yeah. yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> please let Gotham run at least eight seasons and not get... Jumped the shark seven times like House did. Yeah. All right. So uh, the new Predator reboot. Everyone's been like freaking out because they're rebooting. It's actually going to be a sequel. So uh, re- uh, they recently announced that Shane Black is set to write and produce the, uh, the a oh, new really? Predator movie for 20th Century Fox. Really? It was initially reported that it would be a franchise reboot, but it's actually going to be a sequel. Of uh, what Predators or like Predator? They're they're not saying much. They're just they uh, they're just saying that they've got a rich uh, mythology. They've got a rich mythology that they can work with. Yeah, and they might want to delve into that. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you hand stuff like that over to Shane Black. I mean, he's got a. I mean, I mean, well, I mean, most of his stuff's been pretty comedy. Yeah. You know, with uh, what Kiss Kiss well, Bang Bang and, and even Monster Iron Man Squad. Three. Squad. Yep. Yeah. No. He basically he says there's no point in rebooting. Let's explore. Yeah. More about the Predators. You see, now we're, so, they're getting yeah. it. Yeah. 20th Century Fox, listen to that man. No, I, it sounds like they are. And, and I think it would be a good idea because we don't need a, a reboot. We don't I, need the, any more reboots. Well, we don't. And, and the very first one is good enough as it is. Yeah, Predator 2 kind of sucks. But we, we can still live with that. You know, let's, let's, you know, we want to find out more. And we want... Something that's a lot better than uh, Prometheus. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, Not yeah. directed by Shane Black. No. no. Throw yeah. that out there. I mean, let, let's face it. That really ruined the whole idea for Aliens for me, watching that movie. Really? Did. You, you, didn't like that, you didn't like that uh, Jesus was one of the uh, creators or was a, a, a hybrid creator, and that's the reason why... They created the uh, the xenomorphs is to yeah no it to, to make uh, to to pay to, to destroy to, us to, to, to take them out because yeah. they killed my Jesus baby no that no that doesn't no, really bug no, me yeah, just, like it was just the whole it's like really this really dark me- I mean let's face it aliens were a dark menacing creature yeah I mean because we didn't know anything we had about no it. no clue about him it was you know it was like the mystery of Darth Vader you know when. When you first saw episode when four, he was a seven foot tall asthmatic guy who just dressed in and black, and you see yeah. that door open and you hear the imperial march and he walks through with that, you know, that yeah. breathing thing, 
he was a badass. Yeah, what I mean, do you, you what's, were like, what's the second yeah. thing you see Darth Vader do? Yeah. Force chokes him. Yeah, he chokes a guy out by holding him up like yeah. almost a foot off the ground. Yeah, I mean it's like so. And then you watch him as a pansy. And then you and see then, him yeah. as, a, uh, then, as emo uh, Jaden Hayden, Hayden Christensen, and you're just like, you just ruined my my like favorite everything. Villain. Yeah. Although although like he was ruined even before Hayden Christensen put his hands on it. It was the kid that just pissed me off. Yeah. Well, Oops. and, and to be and to be fair, he was just. Reading what he was given. Yeah, which... In, yeah. in the end, it's Jar Jar Binks' fault. It is. <laughs> it literally is. Back to Jar Jar it Binks. does, because he put Palpatine into power, exactly, and then he gave him full power. Uh-huh. So yeah. it, it is all Jar Jar Binks' fault. Yeah, that's, yeah, he was kind of... But then again, he was easily manipulated. So, why? I mean, oh, because why he did, had the brain the size him? of a walnut. Yeah, well, he was uh, he was naive in the terms of galactic politics, which made him easy prey well, for somebody. Is, okay, who was, so this is what doesn't make sense because I swear, if I, I'm remembering this right, there is a line in Phantom Menace where he goes, "Me so stupid." Yep. Yeah. And they put him as a, in as a senator. Yeah. What the crap? I don't care if he fought off the you know the robotic the droid army. He fought them off by accident. Yeah, I mean, you he know was, what, though? History he says he helped win the battle, so yeah. there you go. Okay. All so, right. Let's, I'm, let's I'm, move just, on. I'm just trying to look at that from the objective perspective. Yeah. And, so well, let's move on, just because we don't have a lot of time. Uh, so it was recently announced that Nathan Fillion does have a cameo in the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Everyone was super excited and thought it, he was possibly going to be playing Nova. But uh, uh, James Gunn you know, denied that, said, you know... The rumors are greatly exaggerated. Like, completely, no, this isn't, yeah. you know. However, it has been found out um, with, uh, by a pretty reliable source uh, that has intimate knowledge uh, of this in the production that uh, Nathan Fillion will be voice acting a part of Cosmos, a psychic Russian cosmonaut dog that appeared in the Guardians of the Galaxy comics. Aww. And he is actually an official member of the Guardians, Guardians of, the of the Galaxy. Galaxy yeah. You but, know what I think would have been an even better cameo for him? If just halfway through the movie, it just stops. And then Nathan Pillion just kind of pops up and says, Hey there, audience. I'm Nathan Pillion. Yeah. I hope you're enjoying this movie. Especially you guy in the, fourth, in the 16th row who's been checking his, te- his text every uh, five minutes. She's not coming. <laughs> Later, everybody. I mean, and then he yeah. just decks out, and then the movie starts off, starts back. Yeah, <laughs> that would be a quality Nathan Fillion. That would be. <laughs> but you know, that, and also if they redid, the, if they if they do another sequel for the GI Joes, and they have the PSAs during the 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 credits. Yeah. If they were, and re- he's in there. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, yeah. Nathan Fillion's back in there. Hey, people. Nathan Fillion again. Don't play with fire. Now you know. And then G.I. Joe. Yeah. Well, see, I mean, this is kind of a good thing, because if he's just doing a voice, that opens him up to actually have a live-action role in something else, because we're not seeing his face as a character. Sure. Um, But it's cool that we're actually seeing him in there. I know there was some rumor he might be showed up as Malcolm Reynolds. That would have been even better, but... I don't know. I think it would be a nice little swerve if he shows up as Castle. That would be a really (laughs) big swerve. Yeah. See, that's right. Say, 
What do I say? Because, well... Screw yeah. with the fanboys. Well, it could work because technically he disappeared and his car was on fire at the yeah. end of this last season. So maybe it was actually a transporter ah. beam because Star-Lord is from our timeline and he got beamed up to a, an alien ship. Hey, it could work. It could work. And even better, though, Castle airs on ABC. You know what else yeah. airs on ABC? What? Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's true. Dude, we, yeah. we need him on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. See? He could be, he could be part of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, this is a dual Oswald is. We yeah, might as well see? do him. <laughs> All right. Uh, Gilmo, uh, I can never say his name. Del Toro. First name. Guillermo Del Toro? Guillermo Del Toro. And now it's Pacific Rim 2 and an animated series for Pacific Rim. <laughs> yes, it is That's true. That's what life it, Pacific Rim 2 which everyone was saying was kind of being shelved, is now moving forward. Yay! He is also developing an animated series for the franchise. Huh. So, now, have they said anything about Dread 2? No. Not that, not that Guillermo del Toro is anything affiliated yeah. with it, but still, I want Dread 2. So, Riley will yeah. come back, Mako, Newt, and uh, Gopley, whatever. Uh, even, it, yep, Hannibal Chu yep. will be coming back. <laughs> because even though you saw him get eight, if you stayed till the end of the credits, you would have seen yep. him cut himself Shut out with his it. knife. I just wonder if he found his shoe. Yeah. I don't think so. I think uh, no, cause I think he took it. I think the guy took it. Because okay. it was too awesome. Yeah, Newt took it. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, you don't be that cool of a scientist and not get some sick ink. But the fact <laughs> we're getting an animated series, we're going to get something awesome like the movie and a mix of Evangelion. But with, without oh, the without the whiny crybabies. No. Oh, see, you made the correlation that should not have been made. Now I don't want to see this. <clears throat> and now I'm coughing, so maybe there I shouldn't have go. said that. I, I, there you I'm go. Getting struck without down. the Oedipus complex. Yeah, I'm getting struck yeah. down by the universe for saying that. All right, we're gonna take a small break, uh, just so we can stretch our legs. We'll be back, and then we'll jump into our next interview with uh, author Jay Posey. So we That's will right. return. Yep. Should we also probably talk about that this next interview is going to be brought to you by Audible.com. If you want to get a free uh, audiobook, go to audible.com, audiblepodcast.com forward slash Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Or even easier, just hit on the Audible link on our website and sign up for your free audiobook today. You don't have uh, to uh, stay a member for anything at any time at all. You can become a member, get that free book, and then cancel your subscription. And that book is yours. Audible. Yay. Yay. We're out of here. That's we'll be right. back in a it's few seven. minutes. Guy named Joe, Lord Flagoon, and Colin. Three, two. Down at the mall is the one who's got it all. The answer to my prayers, just two doors down from Sears. I was surprised, cause they mostly hire guys. She's the girl. She's the girl at the video game
membership card. It's only $15, and it comes with a free magazine subscription. I totally want that. She was nice to me. She's my final fantasy. She's the girl. She's the girl at the video game. you get on is a cottery what kind of class do you play girl in an rpg cause i know what them elf girls need from wow to emmy i'm going 30 hours online straight now you make it hard to leave bring to me to look do you speak my language your elf ears don't need explaining all i really need for you to do is just please talk nerdy to me Talk nerdy to me. Get nerdy with me. You name all twelve of the dots. I can't resist that. And what's the coin go on? I think that I'll smash. Cause I know with me you get sore. Storm strength to hog more. I'm pretty sure I'm you cast a curse, girl I'm the imperious one Bitch, you Comic-Con, hope you speak my language Your Harley Quinn don't need explaining All I really need for you to do is Just please talk nerdy to me Talk nerdy to me My clan tag, bring a high KD Cause the headshots we'll be making, we'll be topping the team Or Magic the Gathering, deck on deck You're like Twilight, yeah, I ain't touching your neck no, I got nerd friends, but the friends with respect I can call a fireman without breaking a sweat And I wanna hear issues, yeah, I'm talking about your comments Cause the fact of the matter ain't no go better than a girl that talks on electronics For us to get along, just tell me who could got it wrong Cause clearly in Star Wars, first shot was made by Han Love yeah. the Enterprise, now I speak the language You what I don't need explaining All I really need for you do it, just please talk nerdy to me. I can tell. Talk nerdy to me.
Hi, this is Tim Russ from Star Trek Voyager and iCarly, and you're listening to Dungeon Crawlers Radio. It's rain and tacos. Welcome back, Dungeon Callers Radio. Uh, we're back, and that was rainy, rainy tacos. Yes, because it's raining outside, and everyone's running back to the table. I even had to play an extra song. So, ah, stopping. I know. The show without us. I know. What? You, what would you do? All right. So, welcome back once again. We were talking about you. All right. I figured as much. In the best possible way. Uh huh. Well, and the only way you can talk about a ginger, really. Yeah. <laughs> so, about uh, kicking him around. Should we have him walk the plank, guys? <clears throat> I walk the plank all the time. Who cares? Yeah. Standard ginger stuff. Yeah. All right. So I am trying to pull up some information here real quickly. Well, it's that, it's that fact that, you know, if he floats, he's made out of wood, and we can burn him. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So I, we're, uh, that just happens when I walk out in the sun. How is that any yeah, different? <laughs> All the more reason, I guess. Yeah. Float in the sun? No, I burn in the sun. Oh. <laughs> well, then good. <laughs> Won't take too much kindling. No. Nope. All right, let's uh, see here. So we're still waiting on uh, Jay Posey to, to oh. be making us call in? or No, I, I need to add him. Because apparently he's not in our system anymore, and I don't oh. know why. That no es bueno. It's really weird that he's not. not. Okay, so should, uh, should we try to can we hit up at least one more Geek News thing while we're getting I'm actually polling? calling him right now. Oh, we've got him? Okay, cool. Then Geek News will have to wait. Sorry, Internet. A lot of Geek News. I mean, we totally love you, but I mean... So, well, there is priorities. one... Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm well. Hi, everybody. Thanks. Hello. Welcome back once again. Thanks so much for having me. Ah. I just well, took a sip of water and I went down the wrong pipe. Yeah, well. <laughs> <clears throat> great start, yes. Just Hello. before the interview, we played some songs. I started, like, in the middle of our conversation, I started coughing uncontrollably. So oh, good. it, it must theme. be a theme. Yeah. Yes, excellent. <laughs> so uh, we're here tonight. Uh, 
your new book that just recently came out, Morningside Fall, which is uh, the second book in the Legend. Oh. Hello, everyone. Yes. The hey. storm is driving me nuts. Uh. Yeah, this this uh, boy. It's been. I mean, it's been a while since we've had a hard rainfall out here in Salt yeah. Lake. So it's uh, it's wreaking havoc with the electronics. The TARDIS is going nuts. And we're back. Yes, we're sorry. All right. No, we, no we have this. We have this weird thunder rainstorm going on, and it's kicked us off several times with our internet. It's, it hasn't been fun, so we apologize. No, no problem. I heard, so your second book, and that was it, so... Yes! So, <laughs> Morningside Fall is your second book in the uh, uh, the Legend of the uh, the Dustwalker series, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, this, so the, thir- the one before that, we, we had you on the show talking about, it was uh, three. Mm-hmm. So, Flavor what happens... Yes. So, what happens next? What happens in this book that's going to really blow our minds? Uh, this the second one picks up about a year after the events of the first. So um, I don't know how to talk about the first without giving away too much mm-hmm. if you haven't read it yet. But um, in the first book, uh, basically three, the titular character is escorting Ren, and uh, Ren is a young boy, and his mother Cass uh, to a city called Morningside, um, kind of through this urban wasteland, post-apocalyptic, post-cyberpunk world. Uh, so Morningside Fall picks up uh, about a year after the events of the first book, when uh, it, it follows actually Ren and Cass and sort of uh, what their life becomes uh, after they've reached the city and uh, Ren has sort of assumed this position of leadership uh, because of some of the events from the first book. Um, and, of course, things are not going particularly smoothly, so uh, that's sort of the, the setup for that. Nice. Okay, so then uh, how did you... How did... Uh Ren come up to to be in the leadership position at such a young age? Uh, well, actually, his father was the original governor. Okay. Or uh, the previous governor of, of Morningside. So uh, the reason why Cass wanted to get to Morningside in the first place, uh, Cass was very sick in the first book uh, and, and was basically dying uh, on her way. Um, so her hope was sort of to get Ren to his father uh, before she could no longer take care of him. Uh, and then there were some events uh, in, in the first book uh, so that uh, Ren essentially assumed uh, the governorship uh, by sort of family lineage there. Okay. All right. I guess, I guess with the, the post-apocalypse and not really, a, I guess, a standard government and having all the stuff already figured out for them, it's yeah. just such a simple system. Yeah, it's sort of that was kind of the quick fix to uh, a moment of, of crisis there for the city. Um, mm-hmm. So they go into that a little bit uh, in, the, in the second book and sort of explore what happened, how that came to be, uh, what the effects of that were. Okay, so then, then um, when you were coming up with the with the uh, the town of Morningside, then I mean, how how did you um, I guess come up with the, the 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 concept and the layout? Um, a fine question. I guess it's sort of to me. So, you know, really, the the sort of the Duskwalker world is very much. Um, sort of urban sprawl on, a, on an epic scale. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's sort of, you know, 
countless square miles of, of city, um, most of which has been completely abandoned and, and uninhabited uh, for a while. So I sort of took this idea of uh, kind of fortified towns, you know, where people sort of started clustering together and, and building up walls. Uh, and Morningside, um, kind of when I was developing the world, uh, I sort of thought of Morningside as kind of a place where people had kind of seen the badness coming <laughs> mm-hmm. and had sort of started uh, preparing for it a little bit. So they, you know, their their wall is a little bit better than than you typically find, and uh, the city itself is organized a little bit a little bit better. Um, but it's still a post-apocalyptic world, so they still are kind of, uh, you know, they're not really as well off as as maybe we would be in, uh, yeah. in these days. So. So then how do you continue writing stories in a post-apocalyptic, uh, in this sort of landscape, and then continue to bring in, like, new characters? Because I would think that the populace is on not only just small, but continuing to dwindle. Well, yeah, I mean, so really, uh, the, the series is kind of one of those things where I've, I've always had trouble um, identifying exactly where it falls between sort of the dystopian world and the post-apocalyptic world. Mm-hmm. Um, and really when I was creating it, I kind of uh, took this sort of high-tech world that I had been sort of playing around in uh, with some short stories and things and kind of gave it a, you know, an apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I gave it, a, a, you know, a good 15 or 20 years to kind of gather itself from there. So, um as far as the timeline goes, this isn't in the immediate aftermath. Um, you know, there's been some time where people have kind of figured out what this world is like, and there's sort of several islands of, of civilization. So Morningside is really just one of uh, of several sort of larger, you know, oases, I guess, of uh, civilization in the world. Um, so, and really, you know, three um, was a very small story. It really focused very heavily just on. Uh, the character three and mm-hmm. Cass and Ren and the relationship they developed. And so with the second book, I was kind of trying to, to take a little bit of a step back and show a little bit more of the world. Uh, and, you know, certainly there are, there are hints in the first book of uh, kind of life beyond what we're seeing, you know, these other cities that are out there. Um, and we just haven't gotten a chance to visit them yet. So in the second book, and then uh, I'm working on the, on the third book now and, um, I'm kind of starting to peel back those layers a little bit more and, and bring in people from, from other areas, you know. Yeah. And so, the, and so you're, we're, we're going to be exploring, I guess, these new islands, um, not, not necessarily just cities, but islands in and of themselves. Um, not literal islands, of course. Right. But, um, but exploring them as their own sort of, their own social structures and their own, like, almost ecosystems and, 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 and government and, and their own characters. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I'm still sort of muddling through the uh, the early planning part, so I'm not sure how much we'll see. But uh, but definitely, there's sort of uh, you know, it's almost kind of like the the medieval world in a way, where you've got these sort of city states that are out there developing their own sort of individual cultures and um, their kind of their ways of doing things. And uh, a lot of people, I think, in that world are just sort of wandering and and. You know, they they find a place where they can kind of make it, and they just sort of deal with whatever is there. They're like, oh, you know, government, sure, this, you know, at least I've got something to eat, and I'm not, you know, exposed to all the elements all the time. Yeah. Um. So 
that does come into play, certainly, that there are different sort of cultures and uh, things running around out there. Okay. So then um, when you're coming up with the idea of this, um, uh, of the setting and stuff, there are, um, I mean, there's plenty of, I guess, films and other, other books, both in, like the, both in adult and young adult um, audiences that have explored these certain areas. I mean, how, how, do we make, uh, how do we make this world more distinct than the others? Or, I guess, Ooh. distinct from the others. Oh, fine. A question, which I choose not to answer. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think, uh, you know, it's interesting because when I, when I sat down to write three, um, I kind of had this, uh, well, I don't know how much of the background I should give you because most of it probably isn't interesting to anyone but me, but I had been, you know, working on sort of this epic fantasy novel trilogy magnum opus thing for a while mm-hmm. and realized that I just really wasn't, the writer that I needed to be to be able to to build that world. So I uh, kind of took this idea that I'd had kicking around for a while that I wasn't quite as in love with. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to write a book for myself and just to get through the process. And then I'll go back and, and write this other you know thing that I really care about. And, uh, and of course, through the process of writing three, I sort of fell in love with that world. Um, and uh, for me, it was just a place where I could take I kind of looked at George Lucas and what he did with Star Wars when he was like, you know what, I like samurai and hot rods and cowboys, and I'm going to make a world where all those things can coexist and make sense. You know, and uh, I kind of did that for myself where I was like, you know what, I like, you know, westerns and cyberpunk and, you know, uh, sort of high-tech elements, but I also like the, you know, that sort of frontiersy feel of, uh, you know, people kind of only having the laws they make for themselves and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. so for me, it was sort of a matter of, of pulling all these really disparate elements in and building a world where they're all sort of cohesive. So, um, you know, I think the the sort of... I'm not even sure if it's really cyberpunk or, if, you know, post-cyberpunk is a more appropriate term. I don't know what the genre terms are these days, <laughs> but, but uh, there's sort of that sense of there's, you know, there's a lot of technology around. A lot of it's just embedded in the world. Um, and there are sort of this, you know, these certain people who are experts at manipulating it also mixed in with the sort of uh, frontiersy, you know, Western feel. Um, yeah. So I think that kind of, I don't, I'm not going to say it's unique because I don't know that I would never claim that I'm actually an innovator of anything, but these are sort of all the things that I enjoyed playing with and I kind of, you know, Stuck all those in there with you know some samurai and martial yeah. arts and all those and, kinds of things, so. and then it coalesces into its own uh, into its own story and its own uh, its own mythos. Yeah, absolutely. So then, uh, I, you earlier you mentioned um, uh, I sort of you, you you made a distinction between dystopian and post-apocalyptic. Um, I'm kind of curious how I mean, how do we distinguish between the two? Because I would think that post-apocalyptic by its nature would be dystopian. Mm-hmm. And dystopian can be, I mean, has been presented in the past, like with uh, works like 1984, um, as not necessarily post-apocalyptic, but still bad. Sure. And, uh, you know, honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> because this, it, it didn't even occur to me that it, uh, until somebody pointed me to a place uh, online where some people were arguing whether or not the the world was dystopian or post-apocalyptic. And I was like, oh. I never thought about that, but I kind of, when people were asking me originally sort of what, what it was about, I, I sort of half-jokingly said the world was post, post-apocalyptic. 
post just because, yeah, <laughs> you know, the, the world had an apocalypse, but that was sort of a while ago. So, uh, and you know, I think there, the the distinction, I guess, maybe comes from you know, like with 1984, as you said, you still have all the basic underpinnings of, of sort of government and civilization, and all those things are there. It's just a very oppressive government, mm-hmm. um, you know, as opposed to sort of the immediate aftermath of oh, by the way, civilization is complete as you knew it has completely crumbled <laughs> yeah and we don't know what to do with it you know um so i think i think the duskwalker world fits kind of somewhere in between those two things where you know for you know the people in morningside for example they have kind of a functioning local government you know they they uh have some sense of culture and civilization and those sorts of things so it's just beyond their wall you know mm-hmm. things are pretty rough um but if you're out in the middle of uh the open, <laughs> you know, if you don't have your own city out there, um, it's definitely urban wasteland. So yeah, I think elements from both are, are sort of okay. ma- mingling in, in, in my world. But uh, it's always, it's one of those things where, you know, when people talk about genre, uh, I tend to think that sort of those genre elements are, or the, the categories get applied sort of after the work is done. Like I never really sat down and decided, oh, I'm going to write this, you know, post-apocalyptic thing or a sci-fi, you know, a uh, uh, dystopian thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like, here's the story I want to tell. Here's the world I want to tell it in. And we got that out there and then sort of the conversation kicks up afterwards of, you know, what is this thing that we're reading? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I hope that's a, a good thing. Yeah. I, I didn't just <laughs> to shoot myself and say, what is this that we are reading? <laughs> I, I have no idea. It's so... So then, uh, how, how did you come up? Uh, I mean, what what was the final de- decision process like? Then deciding this is, is going to pick up years after the downfall of civilization, rather than like the immediate, you know, you like usually the year or a couple of years right afterwards, and you see like the, you know, uh, a couple of things that come to mind was like uh, the road and Book of Eli, where it was almost right afterwards, right, fairly recent. Yeah, for me, it was just, it was really the, the story that I wanted to tell kind of dictated um, the setting and, and the time frame. So I didn't really want to get into the backstory and the, like, how did we get here? Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like, you know, uh, especially with, with Ren, uh, you know, as a, as a young boy, kind of experiencing the world, uh, I really liked the dynamic of... Um, you know, three is, is quite a bit older, obviously, and yeah. um, three having lived through that time and knowing what that was all about, but also having the relationship develop with Ren, who has never known the world to be anything different, um, added some interesting texture to me that kind of let me play with some things. Um, and I yeah. felt like the expectation really would have been if it had been immediately after, you know, the sort of apocalyptic events. Most of the story would have been, well, how did how did all that happen? Why did all that happen? And how are we dealing with it? Yeah. And really, the focus for me was on uh, three and Cass and Ren and the relationship that develops, especially between between three and Ren. Yeah. Um, and so having that, having a little bit of that, you know, diff- the distance in time frame, kind of gave me the space that I needed to tell the story I wanted to tell there. So. Okay. So, uh, well, before we have to, before we get back to the next half of the interview, we should probably remind everyone that this is a live call-in show. You're listening to Dungeon Crawlers Radio. If you want to uh, ask Jay Posey, writer, uh, um, author of Morningside Fall, 
you can call us at 626-226-1475. Or you can also send us an email at info at dungeoncrawlersradio.com. Or check us on our Facebook page, Twitter, which is DCR underscore show, and our Google Plus page. And you can uh, post any of your questions you want us to ask any of our uh, guests, and we will ask them for you. You're welcome. Yay. Your, your mic is not. Or you can be even cooler and join us on the Blog Talk radio chat where you can talk to yours truly, Colin. <laughs> Just go on to DungeonCrawlersRadio.com. Yeah. Well, I, I've got fingers. I can type. Yeah. <laughs> Just go on to uh, BlogTalkRadio.com slash DungeonCrawlersRadio. Scroll down to the bottom of the page, register, and share off to the world. <laughs> the internet. Yeah. Interweb. Interweb. <laughs> so getting back to uh getting back to your your latest novel, uh, how um I, how how did how are you deciding which pieces of technology go into this and I mean cuz I mean there's a lot of opportunity to add like certain MacGuffins to um and I hate using that term but MacGuffins sure. to move plot along or to make improbable things happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of comes back to me to this, uh, so if I go in the Wayback Machine, <laughs> so I'm a, uh, game designer also, so my day job is I make video games, um, and I had had a chance to go out to the, uh, game developer conference in Austin back in, uh, something, something years ago, 2006 maybe, um, and, uh, Sorry, this is going to be like the long version of the answer. I oh, hope that's, that's really cool. acceptable. Okay. <laughs> uh, out there, actually, one of the keynote uh, lecturers was uh, Werner Vinge. So, uh, you know, Werner got up there to talk about sort of technology and the coming singularity. And um, he he's an amazing guy. If, if you've never had a chance to, to sort of read his stuff or um, follow him, I encourage everyone to do so. But... He just very casually sort of was like, hey, here's some cool technology that I think is coming down. And we lost it again. Oh. No, we didn't. Oh, okay. okay. You just went quiet. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I just felt like giving everybody a heart attack. It was a close one. (laughs) Yeah, you did. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Did we actually lose him that time? Oh, my gosh. Yes, we did. We are so sorry. Either uh, that or I just have I, I'm psychic. Yeah, yeah just call. And uh, it's actually we lost him. We're still live. Why? Like I said, I'm psychic. So we and are I still live foreseen. going on on the show. Uh, we are going to attempt to call Jay back. So while we're calling Steam Sale, go check it out. Freaking awesome. Well, not only that, for FantasyCon, they just announced that ABC is actually uh, holding uh, open auditions to be a reality TV star for The Quest at FantasyCon. Huh. Yeah. Oh. All right. I think we got Jay back. Are you there? Hey. Am okay. I hey. <laughs> right. Okay, yes. This is, I think this goes down on the record, as the most dropped times through the entire show. Oh, excellent. I blame the... I figured I was probably just rambling too much. And so, no, 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 no. That's very, very clever. <laughs> oh, uh, storm difficulty. Uh, We're going to get yeah. rid of him. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
No, we we do apologize that uh, I hate this yeah, when this, it, this happens. Yeah, this weather. I wish we had a weather control machine. That'd be make it so much easier. That would be awesome. Yeah, weather, a weather dominator, perhaps. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and we can make it rain food. Disney Channel does it all the time. Why can't we? Yeah, because <laughs> we're not as cool as Disney. Apparently mm-hmm. not. Ding, low budget. We don't we don't own Star Wars or the Marvel Universe. No, yeah. you know you know what we need. We need a giant. We need a big seaplane, and uh, um, Colin could have a uh, airfoil. Oh yeah, and he could kind of like water ski behind it while I fly. Yes, oh, that'd be awesome. Oh. As, long, as long as you're in your 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 uh, Hawaiian shirt, uh, yeah. it'd be a, it'd be a Hawaiian shirt, but I have an aviator's jacket. Yeah, and my and my flight cap. And then you got to have the, <laughs> the the congos going on in the background. No, no, no. That would be Joe. Yeah. Who actually runs a bar? Oh yeah. 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 Okay. For those of you that out. have no clue, for about, those of you who are under the age of thirty, that was a uh, tailspin, a, sh- a uh, short-lived uh, Disney animated series Short, called Tailspin. Short-lived. It went four seasons. As short-lived, <laughs> in in my opinion. All right. So back to. Uh, don't make me feel so old. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so back moving to forward. Yeah, back, hello, to, but... back to Morningside. Fall. Something so, something technology. Yeah, yeah. You were telling us about you know, the, um, uh, the the conference you were attending. Oh, okay. So, uh, Werner Vinci, I uh, was talking about um, sort of coming technology, coming singularity, mm-hmm. and um, sort of opened you know my eyes up to sort of uh, embedded technology and these ideas of um, like smart dust, where you could just sort of scatter. You know, here we'll just scatter all these sort of, uh, you know, nano-sized chip things around, and they'll just automatically network. And so everywhere you go, you have internet connection or whatever. Okay. Um, and as I started sort of thinking through that and kind of some of the implications, I did we lose them again? Oh, this is horrible. <sighs> Welcome back once again, folks, where the land of nothing dies, and so does the internet, apparently. apparently. Welcome ha- to Utah. The internet is apparently having mini strokes and mini heart attacks <laughs> off and on throughout the night. Uh, I feel so horrible. I'm, I'm, I'm blaming the drivers is... outside. Oh, my. Yeah. Somebody, somebody probably saw a puddle that was larger than two feet wide, freaked out, swerved, and hit the... Uh, Hit the embankment. Hit the embankment and hit a telephone and pole or something. And hit the internet and hit the internet and now we're screwed up. Well, I'm trying to dial J up right now. It's it's ringing. Meanwhile, I yes, I hate Steam summer sales right now. Why? Because I'm about to spend more money. <laughs> yeah, same here. I am like I Assassin's am... Creed is on sale now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nope. Whoa! It just the call yeah. failed. Fifty percent off. Twenty Just bucks. Garnered is only five dollars. Yeah. Oh. Left for Dead Two, five bucks. Yep. Goat Simulator, six dollars. Oh, Goat Simulator. Yeah. So many hours of fun. <laughs> um, I had a friend who tried out Tree Simulator. Mm-hmm. Literally, all you do <clears throat> is you sit there and look in like one direction, I believe, <laughs> or or you can get like to a one eighty degree. But you can't go full 360. 
Oh, really? All things and from the perspective watch of watch the daytime change. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds more. That sounds about as entertaining. That actually sounds more boring than Desert Bus. <laughs> Desert <laughs> Bus, you at least have to steer to the left. You know, it's probably better than ET for Atari. <laughs> no, nothing is better than ET for Atari, <laughs> except for digging it up. Yep. Endless portals. And improving that the myth was true. Mm-hmm. So vindication. it's not a myth then. Mm. Mm, yes, tastes like vindication. Someone busted that myth. They, it's mm. like very well documented that they yeah. buried it. I don't know why, but we can't uh, connect to I'm, I'm going to test a couple things, so let's see if we can hear this. So we'll be right back. And sparkly New Year's as well. So, um... Greetings and salutations, listeners. <laughs> yeah, good one, Double D. This is Edward Double D speaking. Both of us would like to just say... You're listening to Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Um, Dungeons and Crawlers Radio is the place to be. So, okay. Okay, bye now. Enjoy. Okay, well, we, we are working then. Okay. I have no clue why we cannot get Jay back. That is so sad. Maybe, uh... Maybe the uh, phones are really dead. Oh, well, I, I've asked him to us, actually dial in to see if... Let us, let us think happy thoughts. I am pretty sure that Steam Summer Sales ate him. That's probably what it is. <laughs> I mean, Far Cry 3, Blood Dragon, 374. Yeah. Borderlands 2, 659. Woo! Although, I, had, I, just bought a new, I just bought a computer and got mine for free, so... Nice. Yeah. Wow. Ooh, Bioshock. Thanks for 4 is oh, only... Oh, Bioshock Infinite? I picked that up yesterday. Saints Row 4 is only $9? I know. Oh, my gosh. The hilarity. That's a that that's more laughter you than you'll get in any movie you'll see this year. That is. I finally decided that I would pick up my lackingness of video games and finally get Mass Effect because it was on sale last night. It was like $8 for Mass Effect 1 and 2. Yeah, that was another yeah, one where right? I, had to, I had to physically stop myself from buying it. Yeah, and, and also no they don't stopping. have they don't have Mass Effect three on Steam, yeah, sadly because really Ubisoft sad. is stupid and they're afraid of money. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I I don't know if I could do it with knowing that I wouldn't be able to actually finish. I'm pretty sure that Counter Strike Go Global Offense is always on sale, no matter what. <laughs> I mean, it's a fifteen dollar game to begin with. Is that uh, hello? Okay. Welcome. Hey. Okay. Oh my! I'm not gonna tell that story anymore. <laughs> the universe is like nope. Really? Nope. Nope. Oh nope. My. No one cares. Oh. Nothing else. I mean, it's it, it, I, I I promise. Honestly, it is not us. Yeah, we are I think that one actually was my. I think my router went. I think my uh, my modem died. I think my cable modem went down on that one. So. Okay, so our internet went down, and then your modem went out. Okay. Something is something is saying something here. Yes, perhaps we should never do this again. I'm yes. sorry. We will <laughs> not speak of those events again. Speak of what events <laughs> again? They never forward. happen. Yes. Moving on. So Moving technology forward. is cool, and I thought you it would be it. fun to have some. Yes. I love technology. <laughs> so, that was a really abbreviated version yes. of that. I think if we try to go any longer into that, it will... <laughs> it will we'll, die again. Yeah. I don't know. I think Werner's out there. He's like, no! <laughs> so <laughs> let's go into characters. Do you have any fun characters in, your, uh, in, your, in the story of, uh, of a uh, dystopic post-apocalyptic world? 
They're all, they're all, all pretty flat and boring, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> I uh, don't care much. <laughs> uh, I hope that they're cool. I, you know, there are several that I, I thought were cool. Um, you know, Morning Sunfall uh, really, like I said, follows Ren and, and Cass. Um, and uh, do we know about the Weir? Shall I explain about the Weir? These sort of... Um, yeah, I, bl- I believe we went into that a, a little bit the last uh, time you were on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're sort of the, you know, these... Um, I guess Digital Zombies gets the idea across pretty well. Um, that's, there's more to it than that. But, uh, you know, so they're out there running around, and, um, and uh, that adds some, some flavor to the world. But... Uh, you know, Ren is this sort of young boy who's got who's very gifted uh, with with sort of manipulating the technology in the world. Um, Cass uh, was sort of formerly part of a, a very uh, a crew of very bad people who were also very very talented. Um, so she's got this sort of you know she's sort of chemically enhanced uh, thing going on. And uh, in, in Morningside Fall, I introduced. Um, uh, the character, actually, the the character on the cover of the book is uh, he just gets called Old Blindfold for most of the book, um, and uh, he's he is a very bizarre sort of character, but also one of my favorite characters in the book, um, and he's sort of this uh, samurai kind of you know wandering samurai uh, sort of bringer of justice. <laughs> to, okay, it's, yeah, to similar to the the Zatuichi stories. Yeah. Of- yeah, Japan. Okay. Very similar. Yep. Um, and uh, and also, so as as governor uh, of Morningside, Ren has sort of been assigned this um, this team of like personal guards who are uh, basic. They're they're basically bodyguards, but they're they're also very much inspired by. Um, so, you know, for my day job, as I said, I make video games. I work for Red Storm Entertainment. Mm-hmm. So I've done a lot. Uh, you know, Ghost Recon was where I've spent most of my time. So um gotten to know quite a lot of uh Army Special Forces guys, Navy SEALs, those kinds of guys. So um the that team of bodyguards is sort of inspired a lot by sort of that, you know, the the, the military, especially the, the special operations forces community. Um kind of guys. So they're that group of people um is very interesting to me. And uh and there's also Painter who um He's actually uh, he he was formerly a weir, and he sort of uh, was brought back to himself by Ren, um, but still uh, retains all the sort of technological changes that the weir makes to human bodies when they sort of claim them. Um, so he was kind of a kind of a an interesting character for me as he sort of wrestles with his place in the world and uh, what it means to you know have been human, have been a weir, and then have become sort of this fusion of the two. Um, mm-hmm. So, did that answer the question, or was that rambling? Yep. No, I, didn't, just... I didn't get cut off, so I assume that was yeah. a total rambling. But yeah, that was... <laughs> so then, so then it's uh, it's you're you're showing us kind of like the multiple viewpoints of what few people there are. I mean, how how um, how do you think that all of these viewpoints are going to um, I guess come to a head in the in the upcoming stories. Uh, a fine question. Um, it's it's sort of it's it's really all building uh, really from the first book. So you know the first book sort of even though it's a very small story, it sort of planted some seeds. Um, and, and the second book is sort of uh, 
arranging pieces on the chessboard <laughs> in a way. Um, and so in the third book, uh, at least I'm, I'm hoping I can tie it all together the way I have it in my mind, but um, in the third book we're really going to see uh, sort of a, a glimpse of more of, of Three's background, where he came from, sort of the world that he came out of, mm-hmm. um, and how all of that fits together with where we are now, the state of the world. Um, and, uh, you know, I won't spoil the end of the second book either, but at least I hope I won't. But uh, several of those characters are sort of, they're, they're in different places, and the way that they are sort of uh, finding their way back to each other and, and the things that they need, that they need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Hopefully we'll all all come together in an exciting way and satisfying way for readers who've been reading along the whole time. Awesome. So um, can you give can you give us a kind of a um, can you give a tease us a little bit with some of the action we can expect to see? I mean, is there something we can compare it to, or or can you give us a little snippet? Hmm. Uh, super cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, and, what what what? kind of example would you like and um, what, what race should I put it um can we I mean like can we expect it to be like something that we would have seen it played in a one of the video games or something that maybe we saw in a movie or is there something new that you're bringing to the mix uh I hope it's I hope it's some some of each um you know really the to me there's some there's sort of some epic battles on the way um definitely mm-hmm. as, as the story's been building there's sort of these two forces are sort of gathering um, and they will have to clash at some point but there's a lot of, of uh, very personal sort of conflict that needs to be resolved mm-hmm. um, so I think we'll also be seeing some of that sort of individuals um, who need to resolve some things <laughs> will come together and, and take care of business um, and you know so I, I think there's going to be there will there's definitely going to be some large scale sort of uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to compare myself to Tolkien in any way. <laughs> no, certainly not anywhere near that. But if you sort of think of the, you know, uh, the Helm's Deep or uh, Minas Tirith, sort of that scale of assault, that could be possible. But also some very sort of, uh, you know, I don't know what reference to make here, but sort of the classic samurai of like, you know, the two samurai who are standing there for you know, 12 hours waiting for the other one to blink because oh. as soon as someone blinks, someone's going to die. You know, sort of. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there are elements of each of those sort of at work. Um, yeah, I got to love that. I, them I, having the fight in their head. Yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, and I, lo- I love the tension that builds up in that sort of uh, one-on-one standoff when it's mm-hmm. like the, the both people's nerves are so hardened and, and one, you know, neither of them can falter. And it's like, that in itself is huge tension. Yeah, so I, I hope I will be able to do that justice. That is my goal. So. That is that, <laughs> and a worthy goal it is. Yes, yes. it is. Um, so then, before uh, before we have to start wrapping up, because we're almost at the end of our two hour uh, two hour time limit, sure. is um, um, one, once I mean, because with Morningside Fall being out and you have got the next story on the way, I mean, uh, when can we expect to see the next uh, your your next story coming out in this in the in the, the Morningside stories? Uh, it actually has not. We we don't have a firm date on it yet. Okay. Um, so I'm hoping it'll be out, you know, probably summer next year. Um, that's still kind of in in flux. Um, so, but as soon as I know, I will let everyone else know. <laughs> awesome. 
So then, um, and uh, are you going to be hitting up any of the uh, conventions or book signings in the near future for this one? Uh, I just actually got I just got back from Phoenix Comic Con uh, a couple weeks ago, um, and uh, I'm doing some local stuff, local signings here, but I, I don't have anything on the schedule yet for uh, future cons. But if people want me to show up somewhere, I'd be glad to. But you know, <laughs> if no one wants me somewhere, I probably won't show up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like, uh, how about you not come to FantasyCon? <laughs> Don't be there because we'll be there. So. Yes. And if uh, anybody wants to get in touch with you or see what's going on uh, in your world, how how can they easily uh, see that? Do you have a Facebook or some sort of social media? Sure. Uh, you can find me at uh, jposey.com. That's J-A-Y-P-O-S-E-Y.com. Uh, I'm fairly active on Twitter at um, at Hi, Jay Posey. That's H-I-J-Posey, J-A-Y-P-O-S-E-Y, not the other kind of hi. <laughs> As if you were greeting me. Yes. <laughs> like, like, hello, greetings, yes. salutations. Hi, Jay Posey, yes. So <laughs> please feel free to say hi there, and I'm, I'm on there fairly, probably more than I should be. I'll put it that way. So. <laughs> All right. Not enough to distract you from the work, though. Oh, yes, Absolutely. <laughs> always distracted from the work. It's like yep. I could write this, but oh, Twitter—it's <laughs> right here. Yes, yeah, I only have to write 150 characters instead of 10,000 words. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> mm. Well, everyone, uh, go out check out this book. I mean, I'm just kind of why we've been chatting, scanning over the the reviews that are here on uh, Goodreads, uh, and don't tell me, don't tell me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say what's in them, but okay. I mean, it, it, you got some pretty. You know, I'm just looking at the star ratings. You know, you're averaging all, four stars almost. So, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So, and that's for this book. So, I mean, that's that's pretty telling. I mean, it. You know, um, you know, the first book was great. It had an amazing ending, and it, and it was one of those books where it's like, oh my gosh, crap! Where's the sequel? I gotta read the next one. <laughs> so, you know, great. And unfortunately, I haven't had the opportunity to read this one, and I'm pretty sure just. From the first one, it, I'm gonna breeze through it. and I'm gonna like crap. Yeah, gonna wait a year till the next one. Out. Yeah. yeah. So. I can, well, you know, you guys. I'll send you guys chapters if you want. Ooh. Little bit by little bit. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not gonna complain. <laughs> if you're if you really need them that that much, we can, we'll figure. No, it out. I mean, each, that, that at least for me, when I sit down and it literally, I start reading and it's like I get nudged like um, you need to go wash the dishes or hey. Um, it, you have a family here. Pay attention. Uh, I, I know it's a good book because it's pulled me in so much that I just kind of forget everything else. Uh, you know, and the demands of work and everything else. You know, that that really is is a great opportunity to sit down with a book, and when it pulls you in, it's like, oh, I just had a vacation. Right. Nothing you know. that happened with any of my books, I'm sure. But no, it did. Yeah, I mean, with three, it did. You know, it, it was great. I, you know, I sat down. I. I, think I read it in three days. Oh, well. And, you know, at least these days, the only way I get to read anymore is through listening to audiobooks. So sure. I mean, it just pulled me right in and I just burned through it. So, um, everyone, go pick up this book. Buy you know, it. If you don't have the first book, go out and pick up the first book. Buy it twice. Yes. All the copies. Buy them. Yes. <laughs> Must buy all copies. And wait a minute. It's, uh, it's almost the 4th of July, so you're going to be seeing your family and friends. So buy them a copy, too. Yeah. Why not? Yes. Celebrate yes. freedom. The freedom buy of buying books. Buy them two copies. Yes, because Jay wants to have food on his table. <laughs> yes. I'd love to be able to get a hot dog. 
Yes. <laughs> and, and, and he'd love to be able to get that phone call to say, hey, we need another book. Yes. Yeah. Now. Yes. Finish it. So, you know, again, thank you for putting up with the, uh, the crazy electronical issues oh, this yeah. evening. And we, we love having you back on the show. And technology anytime. is definitely not trying to uh, <laughs> overthrow us. No. Yeah, no. Oh, absolutely. No. You know, Angry Robot is my publisher, so they're, you know, they're out there. <laughs> monitoring all the everything, all the time, I'm sure. So. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. It's always a blast. Appreciate it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. thank you for being on with oh. us again, Jay. We'll, we'll, tell, we'll tell Mike Underwood not to get upset with you. Okay, please do. <laughs> yeah. So, we'll just say, um, it wasn't his fault. It was the weather. And yes. It was the, the robots God. in the machine. The weather. Yes. Yes. And it goes. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, once again, thank you. You know, stay in touch and... Anytime you have anything coming up, uh, we'd love to have you on the show. All right. Thank you guys so much. All right. Have a great evening. Yep. Thank you very have much. Yep. All right. Huzzah. All right. Okay. All right. So once have... again, I, you know, listeners, I just want to say we are sorry. We are so sorry. Um, you know, we weren't joking around. Yeah. With, the joys with the of interweb hiccups. Um, I don't think we've had this much trouble since, since Utah FM. Yeah. I'm, I, we, we and I've kind of not said had... that name. For years, we've had a few. We've had a few pretty bad, bad ones over at the old store. Yeah, but when nothing. when I first started, which I thought I might have been responsible for, because anything I get around that's electronic yeah. just kind of starts smoking and smelling funny. Well, and, and when, but that was a hardware issue that they had there. It was their, their router kept rebooting, yeah. and they also had. Uh, their internet wasn't strong enough. Oh, then there were times bandwidth. we went to their Lehigh store, and that was oh, that was well, and well, yeah. somebody was downloading Mr. Pandera. So. And then the other time, uh, the, the person that runs the store's mom unplugged their router because she didn't know it was important. Uh, right in the middle of our show, that was awesome. yeah, that was a wonderful show. But um, oh, memory. No, we really haven't had uh, a show like this where we've lost. It, it's dropped so many times. So one of and, these, I, and I'm sure you. And you I'm know why? Wired in. Yeah. You know why? It's because you guys chose to call the the, the soundboard Robo Destructicon. But it's since not you the have board, you since you have since you have the word destruct, everything has just been flipped upside no, down. No, maybe it's because you're a Decepticon. The, the soundboard hey, has worked just fine. To the, it's not. I'm not saying that it's the, the 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 soundboard doing it. I'm just saying that ever since we've done it and we've named it Destructicon. Things have just been kind of destructing around us. So what would you and rather call it? I didn't convert it? to the uh, to we the are, order of uh, we are not calling of, it Bertha. Uh, we don't need to call it Bertha. Okay, I, I'm going to say one thing I, I, in uh, the Decepticon's defense. I'd rather side with the Decepticon than a Geek Squad member. No. Oh. 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 I, was, I was a proud Geek Squad agent oh. for several years. Um, well, luckily you've moved on from there because. I do yeah. make more money. <laughs> Besides the fact that they don't pay you squat, um, they paid. Oh, they have yay. some really bad press regarding their Geek Squad and people's personal it materials. On what store you go to? <laughs> so, all right, we got two minutes left. Yeah, uh, we should probably finish this we're gonna, up. We're going to wrap this up. We will not have a live show next week because we will be at FantasyCon. We will be super busy. Um, We've been try- we've been in discussions. We might do a live show Friday night, but that's maybe well, up in the air. It's if they can find a, a, a panel time for us. The problem is this late in the, in the show, they probably can't. 
Uh, we were thinking about doing a live show from the floor. That's just going to be chaos and extreme craziness, so we're not going to be doing that. You can but, check us out on several panels, though. Yes, we'll be it. We'll be on several panels. Uh, we have three of our own. Uh, I'll be participating on two others. Uh, Gee, Revan, thanks for getting us invites to other ones. I didn't. I didn't. Those uh-huh. were people that invited me. I'm I just giving you crap. I, uh, and then uh, check our social media pages because we will be throwing out pictures, interview videos, and I mean, we're just going to be throwing stuff out like crazy. We will be flooding the internet. And just maybe, just maybe, you will see Flagoon and Joe in full battle armor going at it in the middle of an arena, and we are getting video of this. Can't wait. Yay! And there might be some uh, like commentary like uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh. Yeah. We're tossing Amber in from Solon Droids. Oh, yeah, there we go. We could do that because we get That's, cupcakes. Yeah. If All right, we, we do should this, probably right? finish this off because yeah. uh, it's almost over. Yeah, so, Joe, do you want to yeah, finish this off? Yes. Oh, uh, we still got plenty of time. Yeah, quickly, very quickly. Special thanks to MB Design Studios for taking care of our logo. So if you need a new shirt or a sweet company logo made for you, talk to Nate at mbdesignstudios.com or find him on the Facebook. Nate, Nate will walk you through the entire process. That's MB Design Studios. So until next time, good night, Salt Lake, good night, world. And as always, please, 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 get more from your games. Hey, laser lips, your mama was a snowblower. <laughs> Amazingly enough, that's on Netflix. Uh, yeah, short why not? Short Circuit 2. Yeah. yeah. If World 2 be on Netflix, All right. so can that. Catch us next <laughs> week. Check out our social media pages. We'll have a good one.